Um, and then this week we are kind of finishing up our Thanksgiving series. And last week we talked about uh, being optimistic, and this week we're going to talk about uh, being encouraging. I bet uh, many of you need some encouragement in your life. Uh, all of us do. You know, I look at these ladies up here, and I think about these three ladies, and they could be home in bed, couldn't they? Right? And we've got these teenagers here, and they could be home in bed. And to be honest, uh, most of their friends last night were probably out uh, till maybe 2, 3, 4, 5 in the morning. Um, and maybe they were too, I don't know, uh, or at least up. You better not have been out there. Let me talk to your parents if you were. Um, but they could, have, they could have chosen to slept in, and so I'm glad you're here this morning. I am. Yeah. Uh, Gail, we st- stand up for a moment? Yeah. All right, watch this. Watch, she's smiling. You see that? I knew she would do that the moment I asked her to step up because that's what she does. And uh, that's why I have her um, greet you on the way in because she's got this great big smile and she's usually happy to be here. Uh, But you know, like God created you. He created that smile and he wants you to use it. And so I'm I'm so glad that you have it. Mimi. Look around Mimi right now, like these two rows right here. Um, those, that's, that's, that's the Cover, I call them the Cover clan. Mimi's not even, your last name isn't even Cover, is it? No, but um, her last name is Arthur. But uh, she's got like this clan that she brings with her, right? She is the, really the matriarch of the family and everybody respects her. And they love her and it's so neat to see that. And to get the, the pastor, her and her family, is just a, a wonderful thing. Stand up, Mitch. All right, Mitch is a college athlete. How about that? Yeah, he gets to play soccer. Um, yeah, there we go. All right? All right, God has gifted him with an ability uh, that most of us don't have. Uh, most people don't get to play any sports in college and so forth. And so, Mitch, that's cool, man. That's really cool. Let's see. Alright, stand up. I went golfing with this guy. And he's much better than me. Let's put it that way, alright? So he can swing a golf club. He used to say, he said he used to, used to be able to swing a baseball bat, a softball bat. Um, he used to pitch. I just, it, it's been really neat to get to know Jerry. And I'm glad that he's a part of our congregation. Uh, and that he and Linda often faithfully attend so often, and um, just thankful that you're here this morning. You. you know, most of us, uh, we probably need some encouragement in our lives. Uh, a lot of us probably don't get encouraged as often as we need it. Um, in fact, encouragement is, this is, I didn't even think about this till now, but encouragement is actually something that we need um, pretty much more often than probably anything else in our lives. And one of the reasons is is uh, because we know um, inside of us that there's kind of something wrong with us. Uh, this is what kind of Christian, Christianity teaches at its very nature, that we have this sin problem. Uh, and, and so there's something wrong, wrong with us. And so what even psychologists will tell you, like if you're going to correct someone or something, often the way you need to do it is, is basically like two compliments and a correction. Because if you do it just kind of one and one or, or together, what the people typically will focus on is just the correction and it will so easily get down on themselves and get discouraged. 
life is really easy to become discouraged uh, as we go through it. You know, many of us, we set goals in our lives. Um, they could be whatever. They could be financial goals. Uh, they could be career goals. They could be relationship goals. And um, sometimes we just don't meet them on time, do we? And that can be really discouraging. Sometimes um, we just have that inner dialogue. Uh, some of you, right, you're just not naturally encouraging to yourself. Uh, you discourage yourself pretty often. You doubt your capabilities. Uh, you might have dreams or a vision for your life, and yet you tell yourself, I'm never going to reach those. I'm never going to accomplish those. Um, I'm not good enough for those. And it can become very discouraging. Some of you just hang around with discouraging people. Uh, you, you hang around with people who have no real vision for their lives, who have uh, no encouragement for themselves or for other people. And so just by the very nature of your association, um, you are living a discouraged life and you need some encouragement in your life. And so I, I think this message will hit home with you and I hope this message will hit you and I hope that like if you're a person who discourages other people by nature or if you do it pretty often um, I, I hope that you'll be changed uh, by this message in fact I hope that you will leave here encouraged in such a way that you will go encouraging other people and here's why, if you're taking notes, is that our God is an encouraging God. Like, by His very nature, He is encouraging. Let me read uh, 1 Corinthians 4, 4, 14 and 3 here. It says, The one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. So, now, prophecy, you know, I've taught you this. Most of you know this who attend here regularly. Like, prophecy, when we think of prophecy, often we just, we want to think of, like, the, like this holy person predicting the future. Uh, or we want to go to the Old Testament and we want to find these prophecies that predict the birth of Christ around Christmas. Now, certainly, certainly there is some truth that some prophecy is about the future. Um, however, the basic definition of prophecy is not just some prediction for the future, but basically it's a, the, the definition for prophecy is a word from God for people. So prophecy is a word from God for people. That's, that's the basic definition to the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And here we have Paul writing to the church, the Corinthian church here. And what he tells them is that prophecy is for these three things. It's to build up, it's to encourage, and it's to console. And so it's a word from God for people to build up, encourage, and console. That's the first thing I want you to notice. The second thing I want you to notice is how prophecy takes place. Prophecy takes place as it comes from God to a person, and then it's transferred, transferred to another person. So God gives a person a word, and then that person speaks to another person. So if you were to prophesy, or to be a prophet, basically what you are doing is you are receiving a word from God, you're taking this word from God, and then you are speaking it 
to another person. So how do you all become prophets? Because all of you can prophesy. Do you, do you realize this? Now there's a gift, when, and some people are just better at it than others, but all of you can prophesy, and there is a way to know if you are speaking prophetically to someone. And it's simply this. If you are using God's Word to build up, to encourage, or to console someone, do you realize that all of you are capable of doing that? Right? You don't have to see into the future. You don't, you don't have to get super mystical before me here or anything like that. In fact, uh, you can be confident that you are actually prophesying or speaking God's word if you're taking God's word and you're encouraging other people with it. Because our God is an encouraging God. Right? This is actually how you know if you're being used by God. If you are encouraging people with the Word of God. And this is important for us to do, church. Like this, is, this is important for you to do as a Christian, to encourage people with the Word of God. Uh, and I can tell you this, like sometimes that people aren't even going to remember what you said to them. Right? Uh, a lot of times, maybe, maybe somebody is going to remember what you said to them. But a lot of times people aren't going to remember what you said to them. But people are always going to remember how you made them feel. And so if we are encouraging and we are using the Word of God, they're going to know that, oh, that person, Brenda Smith, when I'm around her, she encourages me. She makes me feel good about myself. She makes me feel like God loves me. She speaks to, to me in a kind way. Okay? We need to be like that as a church. You need to be like that as a person. And God needs you to be like that and to encourage other people. One of the things that we talk about here at the church is just living out your purpose. Um, and, and I believe that some people here in the church are just waiting to live out their purpose, but they haven't been encouraged to do so. Like some of you are being called by God to serve in a particular way or to do something great for God or at your workplace or whatever, but you're just, you're not sure if you're ready to do it. But one of the things that will help you know this is somebody encourages you and comes along in the church and encourages you. I, I remember my own call to ministry. Um, you know, being called to ministry is often it's an interesting thing. Uh, you, you kind of maybe even have dreams or you have these visions of you preaching, teaching, or leading people in the church. Maybe God speaks to you in a way through the Word of God where you have this desire to share it with other people. Um, you also just feel like you have these crazy voices in your head. Like, anybody ever have those, like, crazy voices in your head? Anybody like that? Not the kind you need medicine for, but, um, right, just, like, you just feel like God is urging you to do something, but you're not real sure. Well, ministry was one of those things for me uh, because, you know, pretty much all the men in my family, they twisted hard things for a living, um, and they couldn't spell, they couldn't read uh, very well. We're all dyslexic. And I don't know if you know this or not, but it helps to be able to, like, read, um, to be a pastor. Uh, I, was, I was a pretty good student. Like the, I, I was mostly an A student, um, but, like, English was the, it was the most difficult thing for me to learn. Uh, and, and, and so when I felt like God was calling me into ministry, I'm like, you know, I don't know as... 
Is this really what you want me to do, God? I really think I would have much more fun or earn a lot more being a sports med doctor. Like during that time as I'm thinking about this, I'm working with this guy who's doing surgery on me for injuries. Um, and I thought that would be cool. And so God's got a great sense of humor. And in college, he just rooms me with three doctors. Um, and so I, I just don't know if I should be a pastor. And I remember... Uh, I remember my aunt, I'm walking through the church, the halls of our church, and I don't even know what brought this on. I, we had just, uh, uh, I can remember it like, it was like yesterday, because we had just built a new wing in our sanctuary in our church, and I'm bending down at the drinking fountain, and I look up, and my Aunt Tony is there, and she starts talking to me, and she said, Josh, um, have you ever thought about going into the ministry? And I just, why would you, I've never had this conversation with her or anything like that. And I don't even really remember what I said to her. I think I kind of blew it off. Um, But uh, as the time came for me to answer the call, like it was conversations like that, right, that confirm God's call on your life or God's purpose on your life. Um, And not everybody is called to ministry, but everybody is called to follow God, right, and serve God with the gifts that he has given them. And and some people are just waiting for you to encourage them. That's that's what people need. And that's actually one of the ways in which God affirms calls. It's through the encouragement of His people to other people. And and so if God has given you a word for somebody, don't hide it. Let them have it. Encourage them. Because you might be helping somebody else live out their purpose. God is an encouraging God and He uses people like you to encourage other people. That's the first point this morning. Now there are three things under this idea of encouragement though that I want you to know and I want you to think about. Uh, Because if speaking an encouraging word is a prophetic word from God, uh, encouraging people It's about one of the most spiritual things that you can do. And so the first spiritual activity that I want you to do when it comes to encouragement is this. is to encourage others spiritually. Encourage others spiritually. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, I believe I've actually quoted this passage three times in this past year, and one of the reasons is um, it's become so important to me and the vision of this church. Uh, I also just want you to take a look at the first part of this passage. It says, and let us consider. In other words, let us think long and hard about what I'm about to say to you, church. This is some, I want you to give serious thought to this. And then he says, let us consider this. How to stir one another up to love and good works. Let us consider how to stir each other up to love and good works. Now, one of the ways in which we do this, this is why it's so important to me, one of the ways in which we do this in our own church is through our growth groups. It's through getting together throughout the week and meeting with one another and stirring one another in love and in good works. 
right now, I believe, over this past year, I need to review it, I should know this, um, but I believe we have anywhere from 25 to 27 groups that have met throughout the year to stir one another up in love and in good works. Our own growth group this next week, this Tuesday, right? Uh, one of the things that I encourage all of our groups to do is try to do a service project um, twice a year. And it may be simply something as simple as partnering, everybody getting together to put together shoeboxes for Operation Christmas Child. Uh, but what our group has decided to do is this Tuesday evening, we are going to Canton um, where this mission has been donated two truckloads of shoes. Uh, those are going to be shipped overseas to Eastern Europe. And so we've got to repackage these to fit into one truckload um, so it can fit on one plane uh, to get overseas to this mission. One of the things that your group should be doing is encouraging one another and good works. And you need this in your life. Have you ever noticed like you're encouraged when you do something good as well for other people? This is part of the Christian life. You, you, need to, you need to consider and being one of these, in, in one of these groups if you're not already. Because it says, let us consider doing this. And it, it does remind us of the how. Like, how do, we, how, do we, how do we do good works? How do we love one another? It is the meeting together. Right? It's the getting together. It's the mutual encouragement that we have when we come together. My guess... My guess is if you feel like disconnected from God or if you feel disconnected from other people or if you are discouraged, um, it's because you're not doing this, right? You're not in a group that encourages one another to love and to do good works. So we use growth groups, maybe your family, like, right? or maybe you do come to church as a family. Uh, and so like extended family and so maybe when you get together as an extended family weekly or whatever that might be this is something you focus on either way I just really encourage you to be intentional about this to really consider this to encourage one another spiritually spiritually to focus on what God is doing in your lives uh, to get into the word of God together to encourage people to follow Jesus together so the first thing is to encourage others spiritually. The second is to encourage others daily. To encourage others daily. So Hebrews 3.13 says, but, I, but exhort, in other words, encourage. This is another word for encourage one another. Every day, as long as it's called what, church? Today. That none of you may be hardened by the, the deceitfulness of sin. One commentator says, mutual encouragement sustains and strengthens faith. One of the things that you need every day is the encouragement that comes from one another that will sustain and strengthen your faith. One of the things that encouragement does as well, as we encourage one another every day, is look at, look at what it does. It protects your heart protects your heart. It's so easy to grow cold, right? If all you hear is discouragement in your life. If uh, your husband comes home every day and he tells you how you don't do anything right every day, uh, how are you going to start feeling about your husband? 
Right? You're, going to be, you're, you're going to become very re- discouraged about the way you feel about your husband and the future of your relationship. Right? And my guess, right, unless you're just uh, a super wife, is that you will, be dis- then discour- you will then discourage your husband every day. And so you'll be stuck in this cycle of discouragement in your life. On the other hand, encouragement breeds encouragement. Right? If your spouse is encouraging, it's more likely that you will be encouraging towards your spouse. If your friend is encouraging, it's more likely that they will encourage you. And however this works out daily is probably the way in which you operate in your day-to-day life. If you feel discouraged, you probably discourage other people. If you typically feel encouraged or have been encouraged, you typically encourage other people. This is why this needs to happen daily. Um, this is why, actually, so you have, your, uh, you have your worship folders there. There's a card in those folders. Go ahead and get those out right now. We, get, we supplied a card for you because I want you to practice this. Uh, I want to give you something to do this morning. This is all I want you to do right now. All I want you to do right now is write, to, write somebody's name at the top of your card, like where you would write their name, okay, who needs encouragement or who you would just like to encourage. We supplied everything but the stamp, so you'll have to pay the 56 cents for the stamp. I think that's what it is. Um, and so when you go home, write that card, put the stamp on it, the address, and send it out. Um, give somebody an encouraging note today. Start today. You have to wait for tomorrow for it actually to go out because it's Sunday. Um, but do it today. Do it today. So encourage others spiritually, encourage others daily. And finally, the third thing I want to remind you of and encourage you to do is to encourage yourself in the Lord. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Self-encouragement is important. Um, You know, some of you are discouraged not because uh, of other people in your life who aren't encouraged. In fact, you might even be surrounded with people who are encouraging um, but there needs to be some self-encouragement in your life. Others of you, uh, no matter how much people are typically encouraging in your life, uh, there will come a point um, where people just won't be that encouraging. Like as you go through life, right, you're not going to hit everything that you do out of the park. Uh, you're going to have some failures. Uh, you're going to get to some points in your life where there aren't a whole lot of people around you who are supporting you. And you might even be doing the right thing. Uh, you know, I, I think of Dan, or David uh, when I think about somebody like this. Uh, David had become one of God's anointed, and he was leading a group of men basically around the area that Israel and the Philistines um, uh, had in their domain. And uh, he had to basically balance these men and keep these men alive from two different groups that wanted to kill him. And so the people in Israel, there's a group in Israel that wanted to kill him. And so David had a group of men that he had to keep alive um, and protect from them. And then the Philistines were a group uh, that, if you remember, uh, David killed Goliath, who happened to be a Philistine. And so they were a group that um, initially didn't care much for David. 
And, but these men continued to follow David around as he brokered deals and kept them alive and so forth. And so David was on the move with these group of men, and he actually had to team up and actually keep these men alive in the territory of a group of Philistines, um, on one of their kings in a particular area. And uh, the other, basically, sub-kings came along, and they said, David can no longer stay here with his men. And so David told this king, he said, I've been kind to you, we've gotten along, um, I've helped you, why do we have to leave? And he said, well, you're not wanted here anymore, you have to go. So David leaves after being rejected by these people that he had actually helped keep alive himself with his group of men. And they go back to the town that they had been in, in a while, uh, for a while, and they actually had wives and families in this town. And when they come to this town, they discovered that a, a group of bandits basically had taken all of their livestock, um, had taken their families, and had run off. And this is the way that David's men, who had been completely loyal to him up until this point, responded to David in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. They were told that David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. These are the men who have followed him around, who have lived with him, that have camped with him, that have fought with him, that have encouraged him. But now they want to stone him because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David, look at how David reacted and what David had to do in this situation. David strengthened, and the King James Version, it says, David encouraged himself and the Lord his God. This was David's habit. Right? Uh, David lived a life much like you did, besides the whole being a king thing. Um, you know, he had struggles. He had highs and he had lows. And how did he get through those? He encouraged himself in the Lord. And thankfully, we have all of these poems, songs, and prayers that we call psalms in the Bible. And so we get to see how this worked in David's life. And so I want to encourage you in your life. Uh, I want to do so by having you look at one of these psalms, Psalm 56, verse 3 through 4. This is David here. He says, When I am afraid, when I'm discouraged, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh actually even do to me? So, what David is doing here is he's praying. What David is doing here is he's praying. If you're discouraged, you need to be encouraged and you need to encourage yourself through prayer. The Psalms themselves, the Psalms themselves are David going to God, making a statement of trust of God. You see, he says, in God I trust. It's a statement of trust. And then what they are is they are written prayers, songs, and poems. So David, when he's in distress, he goes to God through prayer to be encouraged. The uh, commentator in the ESV study Bible said this um, about the Psalms themselves. It says, they express a wide variety of emotions, love and adoration towards God, sorrow over sin, dependence on God in desperate situations, the real battles of fear and trust, words that choose to walk with God even when it's tough, Thankfulness for God's care, devotion to God's word, and confidence in God, the eventual triumph of God's purpose for the world. 
You need prayer. You need this. You need what David did. Because as you look at the Psalms, like you don't you don't see you see an organized prayer, uh, but you don't see like just all this Thanksgiving, like God, everything in my life is going right. No, what you'll sometimes see is like my enemies are crushing in on me. What you'll see is God, I have failed. Like I, I, I am a moral failure. Like I have messed up. I need you to forgive me. I need you to change my life. What you see is David getting real with God when he talks with God. You can do that in your prayer life. And you need that in your life. You need a point in time where you can get real with God if you're going to be encouraged by God. Just like a friend, right? Everybody needs that friend in their life where they can get real with. The average person who asks you how you're doing, what do you tell them? I'm alright, right? Good. You don't really want to have that conversation with them. Like, God, on the other hand, He already knows it. <laughs> so, you know, you don't have to tell Him you're alright all the time when you're not. When you're discouraged, you can tell Him that. But by the very nature of God, He's going to find a way to encourage you through a time of prayer. If it's even just recognizing that during that time of prayer that you are trusting in Him in this situation... Uh, write them out, like David did. That's what David did. He wrote them. Right? If you're, you're like me and you can't sit down to write in a journal or whatever long enough to keep your attention, I do that occasionally. I'm not good at it. My wife does it. Maybe, you know, when you're in the car, you're driving around, talk to God. Um, you can do it out loud. Uh, you can do it in your head. You know, yesterday I'm, I'm driving home from to see my family, to get back here, and um, I'm, I'm praying, Right? Thank you, God, that Ohio State beat Michigan. That was so awesome. You know, yeah, there we go. Um, <laughs> forgive me for forgetting to ask somebody to light the Advent candle. Um, and, you know, everything else I've forgotten to do. You know, uh, Father, be with the officials and Derek at this time as they're at the hospital. Right? These are things that you, you need in your life that's going to bring a sense of, of peace. It's going to encourage you. You need that. The Psalms are proof of that. David does that. You need this. The second thing that you're going to do here is you're going to praise. You need to be encouraged. If you need some encouragement, you need to praise. Look at what David says. He says, I trust. He says, I praise God in whom I trust. I praise God in whom I trust. I praise God in whom I trust. Now, we just, we just celebrated Thanksgiving. I, I hope you just took a moment to give God some praise for something in your life, right? Do you got like one, two, three in your notes right now where you are if you're taking notes? Like just write down three things. Everybody, I believe, can find three things in their life they're thankful for. Your life could stink, right? But you have three things that you're thankful for. Write those down right now. And, you know, if you have to, after you leave here, um, and you're going to go home and pray because you're going to apply this message, um, you're going to thank God for those three things in your life. I also want to remind you of praise, like worship. Uh, the Psalms were not only meant to be prayed, but they were meant to be sang. Uh, in fact, the first worship wars in the church uh, were not hymns versus choruses, but it was Psalms versus anything that wasn't a psalm. Uh, because these were the praises that the church first sang. Right? These are what was saying in the synagogues. It was what was saying in the early church was, were the actual songs. 
these were the lyrics that people put to music. And so when David is writing these poems and these songs, um, he is often singing them. And so I just want to encourage you to, to like, one, have a song. Right? When you're feeling down, have a song. And I'm going to encourage you to make it a praise song. Right? Uh, like not some Garth Brooks song. Um, but a, a praise song here. And I don't care what it is. You know what you need. You know what sticks in your head. But you need that song. Not only do you need that song, but you need to sing that song with us. Right? Um, this is important. One of the things that praise does, that corporate praise does, is that it encourages and it unifies. It encourages and it unifies. This is why the church has always sang. This is why the church has always sang. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't sing uh, just because we need something to do uh, during a service. Like, oh, it's, that's nice. Um, Let's have a nice song and get together. This is the activity that we do. But what it does is it brings a group of people together that, praise, that praises God in unity to encourage God's people who are together. Because that's the only time, like I don't know if you guys ever do this like in my sermons. I'm sure you don't. But you go, uh, like, Josh, I'm not really sure if that's what the Bible means. Um, so, you know, I'm sure none of you ever do that. But you, like, might do that. Or I'm not sure if you, I agree with you or whatever. And, like, I, I believe that legitimate Christians, like, sometimes do that. All right? It, especially if I ever misinterpret anything. But the time when we're all in agreement together is when we are singing together. And through that praise, God is praised and the people are encouraged because as we go and walk throughout the week together, like we're all facing different battles in our lives. But as we think about those songs and singing those things together, we're reminded that we have a church who believes what we believe and are walking with God um, like we are walking with God in the midst of a difficult world. I love what Bonhoeffer has to say uh, about this. He says, Unison singing is much less a musical than a spiritual matter. Only... Where everybody, or excuse me, only where everybody in the community is prepared to assume an attitude of devotion and discipline, can unison singing give us the joy that it is alone, even if it exhibits musical shortcomings. So if you're like me, right, and you can't carry a tune in a bucket, like that's me, sit up front so only the worship team can hear me. Uh, what we're told here is that singing isn't even a musical matter. Praise isn't a musical matter. It's a spiritual one. And so if you need to be encouraged spiritually, this is something that I encourage you just to attempt. Just try it. What Bonhoeffer here is saying is that unison singing forces the singers, us, to set aside our individualistic desires for personal expression in favor of united praise to God. So the praise of God through music is supposed to remind you of a great God who has called a great number of people to be united in praise of Him. And I don't know about you, but whenever I get together with a group of people praising God, I'm encouraged. I leave that place encouraged. You need this. And finally, if you're going to encourage yourself in the Lord, it's going to be through God's Word. You're going to be encouraged through God's Word. If you believe my first point, that uh, prophecy 
is a word from God for people. And then what Paul says about prophecy is for building up, that's for encouraging, and it's consoling. That means that you believe that you need God's word to be encouraged. That you need God's word to be built up. That you need God's word to be consoled. And so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time convincing you of this. Instead, what I've wanted to do this morning is just kind of make this sermon kind of interactive and reflective. I've given you the card uh, there to write. So, you know, there's one of your applications for this sermon. But I, I, want, us to, I want us to reflect on God's Word through communion this morning. Because one of the things that I believe about God's Word from the old to the new, all of it points to Jesus. All of, it's, all of it reminds us of Jesus. That's why we are encouraged. We are encouraged this morning because we know that God loves us. We know that God has come for us through Jesus. That's what Christmas is about. That's about Jesus coming. His Advent. That's what Advent means. The Word of God points us to Jesus. And so this morning, I'm going to ask the ushers to come. I'm going to ask our worship team to come. And they're going to lead us in the song as they pass communion. Um, we encourage our believers to take communion with us. Uh, but this is how it's going to work this morning. Our ushers are going to pass communion. Everybody take the cup and the bread and hold on to it. And we're going to take it together. And uh, I'll instruct us, instruct us on how to do this um, here after everybody has it. So. Okay. Who's getting what here?
few things that I want to remind us of as we take communion, as we think about being encouraged. One of the things that communion does is it offers a prayerful time for us to reflect and to look back 
and to be reminded of the cross. The cross reminds us of God's love for us. A second thing that it does is it helps us to look forward. To look forward as Christ coming as King. A third thing it does for us is it reminds us to look within. If you don't like what you see, if maybe God doesn't like what he sees, or if you believe that God maybe doesn't like what he sees at this moment, communion is a reminder to simply repent, to turn around, uh, to give your life to God, to give that very thing that is displeasing to God, to give it to him, to allow him to change your heart, to change your mind, and to change your life. In this way, communion builds up, it encourages, and it consoles. I want to read 1 Corinthians 11, 24-26, and I encourage you to follow me in the taking of communion here. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup, the cup of wine after supper, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant between God and you, sealed by the shedding of blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. Let us pray. Father, I hope that everyone in this room was encouraged by your love for them. I pray that they look forward to your son Jesus coming again as we reflect on his first coming during this Christmas season. I pray that we all believe that you can change our lives if we give our lives to you. Father, I pray that we are encouraged by taking communion today. Father, I pray that you make our church an encouraging place to be. A community that builds up, encourages, and consoles. Father, use this offering that we're about to take to bless our efforts and be in a community of people that puts Jesus first in our lives and loves people like you have. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.